Well, I'm Hillary. That's your four minute buzz. And now here's Glenn and Stu at the start of the show this morning. Oh my gosh, Hillary. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really so appreciate it. Um, it you know, it's, uh, uh, it's that time to talk to you a little bit about home title lock. Now, have you, have you secured your home? Pat and Stu and I believe in this so much. Each of us have done this privately. Just we each went, really? Uh, and have done it because we have seen how easy it is. They did it to each of us. Uh, and when they're standing there with your title, you're like, wait, wait, hold it. Uh, it's amazingly easy to steal your home and then borrow against it. And then you lose your home. It's happening. It's the fastest growing crime, they say. Um, it's an epidemic in New York City. Don't let cyber steal, uh, cyber thieves steal your home. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. These are the people that can protect it. Uh, you'll get a $100 value uh, of a report. It's a free title scan to make sure it hasn't already happened to you. Uh, if you have parents, I would highly recommend <laughs> that you did this for your parents as well. It's HomeTitleLock.com. It's pennies a day. HomeTitleLock.com. Nobody else does this. Just this company. No insurance, no banks, just HomeTitleLock.com. Do it now. HomeTitleLock.com. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenbeck Program. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Um, how history is being erased. And and what we need to do about it coming up in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, the global markets are a little dicey. Uh, looks like, um, you know, like the world's on fire. Uh, I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but it seems like it's getting a little hinky out there. Uh, so here's the thing. May I suggest that if you have a mortgage that is an adjustable mortgage, that you get that refinanced right away. This isn't even really something that, you know, American financing has asked me to talk about. I just believe in this so much. You've got to get that adjustable mortgage down to a a fixed interest rate because when this thing spirals apart, you could lose your house so fast because you you won't be able to handle the maximum increase. Please do that. If you have credit cards and you have a lot and you're sitting behind the eight ball, they're they're charging you double digit interest rates right now. Refinance your house and roll those into your home. Then don't go put more stuff on your credit card. Just get that monkey off of your back. American finance. You can you can call them now. You just by locking in these rates, you might be able to save a buttload of money every single year by by uh, uh, doing a consolidation loan. You could save a thousand dollars a month. It's pretty remarkable. American financing. They'll ten minute phone call is all it's going to take. 10-minute phone call, get the ball rolling at AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net, 800-906-24... Why do I have to... I'm sorry, hang on just a second. 
Who the hell is Fred? Glenn? Hello. Hi, how are you doing? It's Fred okay. McCostrap. No, it's so great to, I'm so glad you had me on again. No, I... Uh, I'm the head of the Republican Outreach for the DNC, and I am really excited to tell you about some of our fabulous candidates. We've got so many of them, and your audience is just going to love them. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Fred, you were on last week or earlier this week, and, and uh, you know, you were pitching, who was it, uh... Elizabeth Warren. I'm talking about Elizabeth Warren. She's fantastic, but right. I can understand how so we've had some negative feedback from from, from uh, our really? recommendation of yeah. Elizabeth Warren from yeah. your audience, right. and I am totally with them. Uh, I am I'm a lifelong Republican myself. Right. Just you, switched. You uh, loved her. Well, yeah, but there were some interesting points that your audience brought up, and I I'm not here to talk about Elizabeth today. Right. We had a little bit of a a little bit of a backlash. From yeah. last time, but I want to tell you about someone you're really going to love. Right, this, okay. Oh, my goodness. You are going to love this candidate all right, today. All right, who is it? Uh, his name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. Now, this guy, first of all, a Texan. A hard, you, you want to say Texan. You look at this guy and you just say, wow, I mean, how, how big is that belt buckle? That's the first thing you think of no, when you think of Robert Francis O'Rourke. No, you, first of all, he, I, you're the first Democrat I've ever heard call him anything but Beto. And he's oh. he's definitely not a Texan. I mean, he doesn't have any of the traits of Texas. I don't understand why people think this. It's, he's a real mis- misconception, this, this one, Glenn, and I'm glad you brought it up so we could talk about it, because your audience is really going to love this guy. <laughs> okay, first of all, it's not Beto. His name is not Beto. His name's Bob. You call him Robert if you want to be formal about it. You call him uh, Bob. But he's got all the things Republicans want in a candidate. Number one, he's white. And I know that's a huge thing your audience no, it's, demands it's really, as a candidate. No, we must have someone who's white. No, we don't. That's that's not true. It's, it's absolutely... I know what you're saying, and uh, wink, wink, I'm with you on this no. So also, I mean, he lost to Ted Cruz. Here's the thing. I, who, <laughs> Ted Cruz. I mean, you know, Cruz. What a, you know what I'm saying. You can tell what he is, right? Your audience is going to love this type of analysis, I know. That's why I'm giving it to you. Okay, so secondly, first of all, he's white. So I know your audience will love him. Number two, he's a man. None of these emotions and periods and all this other stuff that's going on with these women. Am I right? Okay, so no, that's number two. No, number three, right. he's rich. He's, I mean, it's not one of these poor people. He's not one of these people of middle class. I want someone who's really super rich. Right. And number four, your audience is going to really appreciate this one. He did absolutely nothing for his money. He's inherited it. He's getting it from his wife or whatever. This is a guy who really is going to connect with your audience. Have you heard his music yet? He's a musician, a no, wonderful musician. His music I is mean, horrible. The whitest music you can possibly imagine. Beto? I mean, come on. This guy, it is, he is about... Is this part of the reintroduction of uh, Bob Francis? There, or- was a, there was a directive. That went out uh, for me to give you a call today. Right. But this guy, I mean, his music basically makes Barry Meadow look like Jimi Hendrix. That's basically where where his music lines up. And, and here's the big thing, uh, Mr. Beck. And I'm a huge fan, a lifelong Republican. Been listening to you for years since you came on the air in 2013. And I am a huge supporter of yours. Mm. But the problem with Beto is people think he's Hispanic because people are calling him Beto. Here's the backstory. And I, I, I've not told anyone this, but I'm going to tell you because I'm a lifelong fan. <laughs> right. Since, what was it, 2016? No, okay, I, so uh, 2000. Beto, we went on Beto's there. nickname uh, 
came not from his, his El Paso upbringing. The nickname came from a country club servant. Uh, and this country club servant could not say Robert because he was one of these people from wherever those regions are down there below that border fence that we need, right? And I'm with you, by the way. We really need that. <laughs> um, so, but when he was called uh, Beno, Bob Franco O'Rourke immediately had the worker fired. He had him deported. He had him. Uh, he had his family dog executed. These are the sorts of things that Beto will do for this country. I mean, Robert will do for this country. Well, why did he and, go with Beto for so long? Oh, well, that was just a, that was a media. I mean, fake news. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> and he's going to be sporting not not the Green New Deal, but the White New Deal. Right. So I know your hood-wearing right. Neanderthals in your audience are absolutely right. going to love no, it. Thanks, thanks so much for having no, me on. Yeah, I appreciate. It. Thank you. I wonderful to. Uh, can we make sure he's not on again, please? Uh, how you doing, Stu? Good. I think he offers some good insight, actually. Pardon me? It's, it's, it's interesting to hear the perspective of the Democrats and yeah. how they're communicating that to the yeah, Republicans. Yeah. Well, it was good to hear the reintroduction of, of Bob Francis. And I think it's going well. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I think it is. People are really, really getting excited right. about uh, Beto. Have you ever seen a campaign crash and burn like this? I mean, he came in as the, like the number two guy when he announced, and it's gone from he was at fourteen, fifteen percent in some of these polls, and now he's down to two and three and there. one. Yeah, there's nothing there. You know, they tried to make him into the RFK. RFK had real substance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I would vote for RFK today. Would you? I mean, not, I don't think so. I mean, policy wise, I'd have lots of problems with him. But still, uh, well, really, if you were a Democrat, like his, like his race policy, I know you, Stu. <laughs> Fred? Uh, uh, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'd have to go back and really study the policy proposals. I would have day, to go but, back and study him, too. But but you'd have to say he's more conservative than, uh, you know, you know, than 99 percent or 100 percent of the Democrats running today. JFK was yeah. was more conservative than any of them. You heard Ami Horowitz saying this yesterday, another person running for president. Uh, for the Democrats, who said, basically, I'm more like JFK. Uh, and I, does he even, will they even allow a JFK-type candidate even on the stage? No. Even if they, you know, he gets 65,000 donations, they're going to try to find a way to block him anyway. I think that's going to be a real problem for them. I think, I mean, they are, they wanted to be the most transparent, the most open, the most diverse. And they are, if they block him and they start pulling shenanigans... I think they're in real trouble. Now, what does that mean? The press is going to back them up. But I think they could have some real legal trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably true. There's at least that that could be a long road for them. Yeah. But you look at this field and we have all 23. I think there's 23 candidates now in the race. If you don't include Ami, which we should, he should be on the board. I mean, you know, uh, people around here just don't respect him like we do. Uh, but I'm, it would be great in the debate. Um, but if you count 23 of them, you look at them, there are some that are running as moderates. They're saying, like, look, we don't want the Green New Deal. And this is a big thing going on with Joe Biden right now in that he's in basically an overt fight with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez about... They hate... Uh, AOC hates the old guard, and the old guard hates her. Yeah, and she, of course, loves that, and it's it's the reason why she's getting lots of money and living in nice apartments and getting all this attention. But they're talking about her as this kingmaker in the Democratic campaign, 
And it's, you know, and she's in this fight with Biden about the Green New Deal. And she's like, well, we we don't have uh, any there's no time to compromise on our lives. It's like that sort of nonsensical talk. And I, like everyone's like, oh, well, what is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez going to do next? Well, who cares? Joe Biden's beaten everybody by 30 points. So I mean, here's here she is. Let's play the audio of Joe Biden responding to AOC. Do we have that? You've never heard me say middle of the road. I've never been in the middle of the road on the environment. And I tell her to check, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the statement that I made and look at my record. She'll find that nobody has been more consistent about taking on the environment and a green revolution than I have. And so, look, uh, it's a long campaign and... Uh, Everybody should just calm, they should calm down a little bit. <laughs> I mean, when you can make Joe Biden sound rational, you have pulled a serious magic trick. I, I think that's good for him. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, I, I, with the Democrats, I think Democrats, I mean, the numbers are showing it. The Democrats that are voters in the middle of the country do not want anything to do with these socialists. It does seem that way. And you see that, you know, the, 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 there's a lot of candidates who are now switching you know when when this first all started everybody was on board with the green new deal right you had to be to even get into the campaign lately though there's been pushback on that you know i mean biden is is the the highest profile one but there's several candidates in this field now that are saying those types of things even Buttigieg is kind of going down that road of of trying to position himself as a little bit more of a moderate option See, i gotta tell you i i don't think it'll work if you've already come out and said these things i Maybe. It yeah, I mean, I, mean, I the think people are look, the bottom line is if, if they're going to want a moderate, it's going to be hard to beat Biden. Right. If they want to go down that road, if you think of it as two wings, right, there's two wings of this primary, the sort of socialist wing and the I mean, moderate wing is ridiculous to say when you're talking about Joe Biden. He's yeah. he's right. He's not a moderate at all. Right. He was the most right. progressive senator in the Senate uh, when he was running for president in 2008 or he was one or two. I can't remember if Obama or him wasn't one or two. Bottom line, though, here is he's not a moderate. But for, for this, for the purposes of this uh, illustration, you think of them as the moderate candidates. Well, you have Biden up there going for the socialist side of it. You've got Bernie Sanders and Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren and uh, Gillibrand and O'Rourke and uh, Booker. Or did I say Booker? Booker. And uh, I mean, Castro and somewhat Gabbard and... Inslee and I mean you could go down this list and find you know, 17 of the 23 that are going for the socialist side of this you got to think that only one of those is really going to be able to move through this primary and on the other side with Biden I guess you know probably Klobuchar is in more in the moderate uh, camp you have uh, and then the other everyone else is are low chance. are low yeah they're Hickenloopers they just and don't, stuff they don't and, have you know chance. Bullocks so I mean you, you get those really it's it's Biden's to blow and Joe Biden is good at blowing, you know, uh, presidential races. He's done it several times. He could easily blow this. So but. let me let me go back to AOC. Uh, you know who Charlie Munger is? Yeah, he was. Uh, he's Warren Buffett's number, number two, two, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, he was doing an interview on uh, Yahoo Finance. The interviewer hated Donald Trump and was trying to bait him and 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 everything else. But I want you to listen uh, to a couple of questions. <clears throat> First, the debt. The interviewer says some people say that, you know, there's no problem with debt. Listen. Well, some people now say that federal debt is not a problem at all. Well, if you believe that, you believe in the tooth fairy. 
Because then we don't have to have any more taxes ever. We'll just print money and live happily ever after. It obviously won't work. The uh, people that are screaming about it are idiots. It's going <laughs> to go away by itself. Okay, so these are th- th- this is something that AOC is advocating, the new monetary policies. Yeah, modern monetary theory. Yeah, modern, m- modern monetary theory. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is... It really is. You don't have to borrow money. You just print money and you borrow it against the future. Because if you print money, you're going to spend that to create jobs. And then it'll pay for itself when those jobs start bringing in tax dollars. It's it's fantasy land. It's it's Keynesian in a way, but in uh, in like a I just had fifteen Red Bulls sort of way. Like it is really yeah, hyper twenty five Jack Daniels. Yes, yeah, yeah. you got to be a little. So you're wide awake, <laughs> but you're like I, I not 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 just really hyper. And but I see things really really clearly right now. I could be up for days. I got so many ideas, and I got it's a new modern theory of money, and we can spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it, and print, 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 print. That's what that's yeah. what this is. It's a great point too. Why bother taxing the rich or anybody else? If print you could it. just print it, just why, right. why just turn the tax thing off completely? Because we've always known that it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Now here he is on um, Elizabeth Warren and AOC. Listen to this. They're kind of likable. I particularly kind of like Elizabeth Warren. She's got a manner that appeals to me. Really? But I don't agree with her, her attitude. Hmm. I don't think she's studied Adam Smith enough. And what about AOC? Do you have any take on her? I don't think she knows who Adam Smith was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's pretty solid. Oh man! And there's, you know, it's funny. There, there were reports initially that early at her years at was it Boston University that she loved Adam Smith. Yeah, that she was actually a conservative. And is, by the way, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican for a good chunk of her life. Uh, people don't remember that either. No, she was also running a casino. Well, yeah, she's so deeply with her Native American roots. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to say about that? All right. Back in uh, just one minute, I want to tell you about this uh, new cruise that we have put together. Uh, It is a cruise through history. This thing is going to sell out quickly. I I mean, I cannot believe the numbers of people that have already signed up. We've only been talking about it for like three days. Um, And... This is a cruise of the Mediterranean. We start, I think, in Venice and Croatia. We go to where King's Landing, if you watch Game of Thrones, um, uh, the one the one that was in this episode. Oh, the one beautiful behind one. the behind the castle gates or the yeah. city gates. Yeah. 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 yeah okay. That's Croatia. That's where we're that's where we'll be going. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Oh, it's amazing. Um, and then we Any go dragons there. If we get when we go, no, okay. hopefully not. Um, and then we go to uh, to Athens, then to Jerusalem or uh, to Israel. Bill O'Reilly is going to be on this cruise. Stu's going to be on this cruise. David Barton is going to be on this cruise. Uh, uh, I've asked Rabbi Lappin to join us. And the reason why I put this team together is they're all about history. And so I thought this would be a great thing where if you wanted to, you don't have to listen to any of this, but they've got a big theater in in the ship and we'll do, you know, a a few history lessons about the Enlightenment and the Renaissance 
so you see the free market and what happens when man is allowed to think and to dream. Uh, then the Republic with with Athens uh, and our faith and the roots of our faith as we go to Jerusalem. So I thought it would be a really great way to just have a great time, eat a lot of Italian food mm. uh, on this cruise. It's a beautiful, beautiful ship. And it happens next spring. Bring your family if you can. Just come, you and your spouse, and join us. Just go to comesailaway.com. Comesailaway.com. Again, I'll be there. Bill O'Reilly will be there. And all of your favorites and Stu. Uh, at comesailaway.com. That's comesailaway.com. 10 seconds, station ID. You know, I want to um, I want to go to um, Rashida Tlaib blaming racist idiots for criticizing her Holocaust remarks. She was on with Seth with Seth Myers. Listen to this. Some have criticized the use of a calming feeling. You have said that it was taken out of context. Uh, I want to give you a chance to provide some context. Yeah. And, it's, you know, so for folks that don't know, don't know, I mean, my grandmother, my living grandmother, my mom's mom lives in the West Bank in the occupied territories of Palestine. And what's incredibly, you know, the tragedy of the Holocaust, I mean, the reason why Israel was created is create a safe haven for Jews around the world. And there is something like in many ways beautiful about that. My ancestors, many had died or had to give up their livelihood, their human dignity to provide a safe haven for, for Jews in our world. And that is something I wanted to recognize and kind of honor in some sort of way. But I also think it's important because I want Palestinian people also to find some sort of, you know, light in this kind of what's happening, but also, you know, in the end, I said, I want all of us to feel safe. All of us deserve human dignity, no matter our backgrounds, no matter our ethnicity, no matter even our political opinions. We all need deserve that kind of equality and justice. And, uh, you know, for me, I wanted to uplift that and, and bring that to light. And it was unfortunate. You know, I got a text message from a friend who's like, hey, next time, you know, really clarify, maybe talk like a fourth fourth grader, because maybe the racist idiots would understand you better. Um, oh so it's just, you know, it's everyone I, else's fault again. <laughs> you know, what's what's truly amazing about this is she says she wants people to feel safe and she wants some justice out of this well when you lose two wars and both times the the jews said hey um arabs do not go away we'll protect you we're in this together more in just a second back all right, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Goldline. Goldline has the uh, new or very, very old $5 Liberty coin. This is a real piece of history. Um, this is from uh, 1881. There's four of them here in this case. Um, and it's a piece of history for a reason. 1881, these were printed at the, you know, the mother of, of uh, all of our mints in Philadelphia, all the way out to the Granite Lady in, in San Francisco. But this was a $5 gold piece. It ain't worth $5 anymore. That shows the inflation rate. But what I love about these is these were the coins that people were allowed to keep. Mm. These survived the Fed gathering up all of the gold coins. If you had something from the 1800s, you could <clears throat> you could keep it. These coins 
survive the last gold confiscation. I believe they will survive any time, any kind of takeover the, the next time, God forbid. Um, these are the coins that I own. You can get them right now uh, at a special price at goldline.com. That's goldline.com, 866-GOLDLINE. Welcome to the uh, program. We're so glad that you have uh, joined us um, it is Wednesday today, right? It is Wednesday. Yes, yes. yes. I have. Uh, I, I'm leaving uh, on vacation tomorrow after the show. We've got a really special show lined up for you tomorrow. Some really great interviews. By the way, we have great interviews today. Gad Sad is uh, joining us live uh, in uh, just a little while also, on anti-Semitism, which yeah. is going to be really. He's and he's, be, he's really interesting on that. Yeah, he's really interesting. Has a incredible story. He is the godfather of the intellectual dark web. Um, before there was an intellectual dark, dark web, there was Gad Sad. In fact, Gad is the guy that uh, uh, Peterson called. Jordan Peterson? Uh, yeah, Jordan Peterson called and said, um, how do I do this? What do I, I mean, I got to stand up. How do I do it? Gad, Gad's the guy who guided him through all of it. This was after I took the initiative and created the Internet. Is right. that what you're speaking of, No, it's, it's really not, but thank you, Al Gore, and Pat Gray for uh, joining us here. Uh, we were just talking about AOC and, uh, and, and also Rashida Tlaib and the mm. nonsense that they are spewing, oh, the man. history changing that mm-hmm. they're doing. Yeah, the spin on it that her grandmother, who lived in the West Bank, uh, gave up her homeland to... to somehow protect the jews from the holocaust what a lie that is the the jews went around with a truck and loudspeakers and told the palestinians stay Stay. in your home we'll protect you we will protect protect you you. do not join the the arab world now when the war broke out because when the partition happened in 1947 the un granted israel their state and they granted the palestinians their state People forget that, or they don't know that part of history because it's never talked about. Well, and and the Jews gave the state back. Yeah, they gave it the first yeah. war. They gave it back. And in 1948, when all the Arab nations got together with the Palestinians and attacked Israel, um, then when the war started, some you know some of the of the Jewish commanders were like, "Okay, get them all out of here." And then others were like, no, we will protect you. We'll stay. Uh, even then, yeah. some of them were telling them, stay if right. you want. Stay. Right. We'll protect you. And here, here's the, the amazing thing <clears throat> is when she says, you know, a lot of Palestinians died to give their homeland. No. no. They no. died because they were on the wrong side against right. Israel. And, and the Palestinian leadership was actually in league with Hitler. During the call of the Holocaust, you know, I, but it's other than madness that, to try to spin that. <laughs> other than that, she's exactly right. I just gave a speech last <laughs> night, and and uh, I didn't realize that in this in the room that I gave the speech was uh, there were there was a Holocaust survivor, um, and I was talking about how the the Palestinians, the 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 Grand Mufti, uh, actually had gone over meet with Hitler and had come mm-hmm. back with blueprints of Auschwitz. He wanted to build Auschwitz all over the Middle East to liquidate all of the Jews in the Middle East. And um and I started talking mm. about how you've got to stand up when it's easy. Cuz this is not 
the time to stand up is when and right now it's easy right now it's to easy. what it will when be it gets hard you're not going to stand up if you're not yeah. standing up now you're not going to stand up and suddenly become righteous um you're just not going to and this this survivor this holocaust survivor was in the crowd people kept looking at her as i was speaking uh and <laughs> she kept shaking her head like yep that's how it happened that's how it happened wow i mean it was really pretty powerful we're there yeah we are now i mean did you see the thing with um um bernie sanders new campaign manager i don't think so listen to this you want to know who's controlling the dnc remember the dnc well it's aoc right alexandria ocasio-cortez is controlling the doc well she 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 is remember who did they want to have as the head of the dnc and their donors pushed back so much Think Minnesota. Mm, is it Keith yeah. Ellison? Keith Ellison. Right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, right. he was okay. Keith Ellison was going to be the guy. And only because of that Me Too movement uh, did that not happen, really. Right? Because he mm, wasn't that around yeah, the time so, when he was accused of. Yes, but it was also because some of the big Jewish donors were like, ah, uh, hello. No. Yeah. Um, so that's who is, you know, I think he's the number two guy um, in the DNC. Now, Faiz Shakir is the new campaign manager for Bernie Sanders. He was the vice president for communications of the Center for American Progress. Um, He was the liaison of the Center of American Progress for Barack Obama. Now, remember, think how radical they are. He then left to even a more radical group. He was the founder and editor-in-chief of Think Progress. Mm. Uh, then he became the the senior advisor to Harry Reid and the senior advisor to Nancy Pelosi, then the national political director of the ACLU. Now, here's his background. He's a Muslim, and he was the member of the Harvard Islamic Society affiliated with the Muslim Brotherhood and the Muslim Students Association in the United States and Canada. While he was at Harvard, he co-chaired the fundraisers for the Holy Land Foundation. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. Unindicted co-conspirator in the, what which was the? Was I think the, the Holy 90s? Land were the, they were the, the that, was that was the, the indicted. They were indicted. Oh, yeah, they right? were. Holy they Land, were, were yeah. Okay. It was Care that was the unindicted Correct. co-conspirator. Okay. Um, he co-authored yes, Fear Inc., Fear Inc., which claims that Islamophobia is the product of a Jewish conspiracy. Um, he has written positively about the Tunisian Muslim Brotherhood Islamist named Rashid Gonachi, I think his name is, whose one of his quotes is, there are no civilians in Israel. The population, male, female, and children, the population of Israel, they are the army reserve soldiers and thus can be killed. That's who's running mm. Bernie Sanders' campaign. Socialists Jeez. and Islamists are working together for the destruction of the free market in the Western world mm. and Israel, exactly what I laid out on the last chalkboard I did at Fox for the last year. That you were mocked for. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's wow. that's who we're dealing with. And then you look at the um, abortion <sighs> stuff that's going on and how extreme they're becoming on abortion. 
I'm really happy to see some of the pushback uh, from some of these states. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. May mm. go to the Supreme Court, but I don't count the well, Supreme that's what, Court. That's what Alabama's trying to force. They're, they know that their new law, uh, which essentially is almost a total ban on abortion at any stage. So you can't get a, an abortion for any reason other than the mother's life in danger. Right. And that passed 25 to 6 in the Alabama Senate. So uh, the pro-life governor, her signature is all that stands between uh, Alabama and, and this new abortion ban. So they know that it's going to be challenged. They know that it's conflicting with Roe v. Wade. And so then it would go to the U.S. Supreme Court, which they're trying to they're trying to get that. Let's do that. Let's have that battle now. It's gotten so extreme when you're talking about allowing babies born alive to die or killing them after they've been born alive. Um, something has to happen. And I, I think that's I, you kicked know what? the pro-life I, people I, I, into gear. I would hope that because the left, while I know what you just said is true, um, the left continues to deny that that's what it is. So I say we leave the baby in the womb in our arguments because it's so easy for them to discredit and say, nobody wants that. That was yeah. just the governor of Virginia. Leave the baby yeah. in the womb five minutes before birth where they can still kill them. <clears throat> That's a baby. In five minutes, mm-hmm. it's out. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. fully viable. It's fully, it's fully grown. That's a baby. You're still cool with killing it five minutes before its birth? Well, you're saying it's alive. It's what you call a life, right? It's like <laughs> right. It's like this heartbeat bill. It's Can't what, say its name yet. Yeah, no. <laughs> so well, they, a lot of people do. I mean, we definitely had a name for our baby. Before. Yeah, we but did that's, too. That's, yeah, but the that's, baby that's couldn't say it. That baby couldn't say it. That's right. right. Um, but until I think, that baby could speak, <laughs> we could kill it. Right. I just love how you guys are calling this a heartbeat bill, and uh-huh. it's like you know what you guys call heartbeat. <laughs> It's a it's what could be a drum. Yeah, you don't uh, know. Be, you don't know. It could be. It could be. Um, you know. Uh, could be EDM a, music. I'm, I'm, uh, a metronome. You house. Maybe you're giving birth to a metronome. Right. We don't know. Let me tell you something. And I mean this sincerely. <laughs> you don't know because the media just just the the pro life media just hides this. You don't. Where do you think the Blue Man Group comes from? They're birthed as a group. By women all the time. So when you wow. at heartbeat, no. No. Um, Those guys aren't human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're in a, there well, as They're a troop. Just a drum beat. Just drumming. <laughs> and, 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 and this sounds funny, right? To say uh-huh. that you wouldn't call it a heartbeat, right? Let me read this to you from the Washington Post today on their coverage of the heartbeat bill. Oh, 16 states have passed or are working to pass bans on abortion after a doctor can detect what they call... Quote, a fetal heartbeat in the womb, end quote. Oh, my gosh. What, what? they call? How can you spin what else would it to anything else? Would it, be? would it be a metronome? What are you thinking that thing is? Oh, they man. Legit, in the article, what they call a fetal heartbeat in the womb. Uh, wow. This is like they are in wow. straight out scientific denial here. When they you are. put an ultrasound on a woman and you Ooh. do not hear that sound, they declare the baby dead. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what else could it possibly be? And how can something they, die they, that isn't alive? I, I, right. That I'm a little confused on as well. You know, what's interesting, though, is that uh, Alabama is trying to force this issue to go to the Supreme Court. I'm not sure that's even a good idea right now because I'm 
Oh. Really convinced the Supreme Court doesn't overturn Roe no, v. John, Wade. John Roberts, not Roberts no, and Kavanaugh, never, both. No, I, I don't never, have any confidence they none. would do that. Kavanaugh, at least there's a chance because it's early. It's a right, there's a chance. There was no freaking way. John Roberts, who was no, so who treated Obamacare right. with such reverence that he didn't want to overturn it before it had even been implemented, when it was clearly unconstitutional, he, he's going to overturn a forty-some-odd-year precedent. Nope. There's no there. 50, no, you know, it's a, there's no way the, he's going to do that. Here's the problem: we have turned the Supreme Court into a legislative body. Yep, mm-hmm. and that's not what it's for. No, we, we didn't right. hire these people. We didn't vote for these people. They are not supposed to be a legislative body either direction. They're not supposed to be voting mm-hmm. with the conservatives because that's the way the conservatives want it. They're supposed to be ruling on the Constitution and it's supposed to be emotionless. Mm-hmm. It is supposed to be based in law, not horse trading. It's not even supposed to be based in precedent. No. Which they use all the time. Right. That was a that was a progressive thing. You don't do it on precedence. It is a, a fever dream of the left that they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade with the Supreme Court. No I hate way. to disappoint people, but I mean yeah. Kavanaugh I don't think is is But I will tell you this. I like the fact that people and states are taking a stand. Oh, yeah. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I mean it's it has it, to happen. You have to exercise that muscle muscle of courage because times Great and terrible times are coming. They are. Yeah. We are living in biblical times. And um, and everything that we always read as kids, I'm 55. You read stuff as kids and you're like, okay, that's not going to happen in my lifetime. It's all happening. It's all mm-hmm. happening exactly as described. Mm. Uh, and if we don't exercise the muscle of courage now, if you're not protecting voices, if you're not protecting rights, if you're not standing up for people you disagree with, but their rights are going away, your rights will be lost. And when you speak out, it'll be too late. You must exercise that muscle now. Thanks, Pat. All right. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about LifeLock. Uh, according to a recent study... Oh, we should point out quickly, before you get into LifeLock, Pat Gray is going to be in on this program on Friday, uh, and Bill O'Reilly will be joining him as well. So that's going to be a really good show. Don't 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 miss it. What does that have to do with LifeLock? I just said before you start the LifeLock commercial. I had already here. started it. I know, but before you get into it fully, all you did was say, this is brought to you by LifeLock. That's Gosh. why I thought it was a good time Gosh. to get it, because I no, didn't want to No, that's a it. really bad time. Thank you. No, I thought it was a great time, because people who listen to Pat, enjoy Pat, would want to know that on Friday, he's going to be hosting the show... Uh, solo, and then in, and going to be joined by Bill O'Reilly in hour two. I, mean, I think it's a big deal. I am not taking you on that cruise. Well, I'm already booked for the cruise. Well, I so can cancel that. You cannot. I it's can, not your. I absolutely, you don't can. run the cruise company. You don't think I can make that happen? No, I don't. Oh, I can make no. that. You are Klinghoffer. You are. You're gonna. I'm gonna strap you to a wheelchair, and if I, they won't let me cancel, I'll push you out in the Mediterranean. Anyway. <laughs> Um, life dark pretty fast. <laughs> it did go dark pretty fast. Um, all right. Global malware. The volume has risen for the third straight year, reaching 200 and, uh, 206.4 million attacks on computers. That's an 11% increase just year over year. The, the chances of you getting nailed uh, and somebody hacking in and taking your stuff, holding your stuff hostage, using your identity. It's 100% in the coming years. 
You need LifeLock because you're not going to, you don't have time to worry about all this crap. I don't want to worry about this crap. That's why you hire people like LifeLock for pennies a day. Use the promo code Beck, promo code Beck at LifeLock.com and let them watch over you. Let them watch over everything that cyber criminals want to do to you. And nobody can stop all, you know, cyber threats. However, they have um, a, a an in-country group of people that they're experts at fixing it if it does go wrong. So please call 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK. You'll save 10%. 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. If you were listening yesterday um, to the story about that Texas bartender who is facing a year in jail... And I can't figure out why, honestly. I, I think this woman was a hero on what she did. Um, we have her attorney on. Maybe he can explain what the heck is happening in the great state of Texas on this. That's next. I'm Hillary. That's your four-minute buzz. And now here's Lynn and Steve with more of the we show. We have an amazing hour coming up for you here in just a few minutes. And then Gad Sad <coughs> in about 60 minutes from now. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about Relief Factor. Relief Factor is something that is 100% drug-free. It was created by doctors. It has four key ingredients in it, and what it does is it helps your body fight against inflammation. Inflammation is what keeps you up at night. Inflammation is what keeps you in pain. Inflammation is what is why your your foot, your knee, your hip, your back, your shoulder, your neck uh, hurts all the time. It is also it does horrible things to our health. You need to control inflammation. That is exactly what Relief Factor does. I have found great and tremendous relief from Relief Factor. I would not be doing this commercial if it were any different. I take it three times a day religiously, and it works for me. Please try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, you're out 20 bucks. But if it does, you get your life back. It's Relief Factor. ReliefFactor.com fusion of entertainment and enlightenment this is the glenbeck program there's a story that we brought you yesterday that i just don't even begin to understand happening here in the state of texas texas of all places we all know that if a bartender serves somebody who is drunk and then they get into a drunk driving thing that they're in trouble right we know that and that law was done so servers are not you know pushing drinks on people and then pouring them into their car that law was not meant for for lindsey glass somebody who served four drinks over four hours and then thought this person was drunk and so left her job to go try to find him because he wouldn't stay and then tracked him to his house and called 911. It ends up that he kills the members of his family. She is now going to trial. She may go to jail for this. I don't understand it. Her attorney is on with us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. Uh, all right. So uh, Dawn to Dusk is is a great thing here. As we're getting through, we're going to go on vacation here in a couple of days. You know, it's the end of, what, uh, 
uh, you know, a long run here. We had this big special. Six months. Yeah. And I'm a little, uh, you get a little bit uh, tired sometimes in the afternoon, a little bit losing your, uh, you know, losing your focus. That's what dawn to dusk uh, stops. I hate that time of day. Like 3 p.m. Oh, you're gosh. just uh, so you're struggling to get through it. And yep. you, you know you need to be productive for a couple more hours mm-hmm. at least, and you just can't. Mm-hmm. Dawn to Dusk is a 10-hour uh, energy uh, supplement uh, that helps uh, with uh, mental focus. And it's, it's extended release, so you don't get like a giant burst. It's just, it helps kind of even you out and uh, keep you focused throughout the day. You it's, gave some of this to me on the day of the special because yeah. I was just dragging. <laughs> you were. And I was like, I am not going to make this special. Yeah. I didn't even feel it. I just felt energized but i didn't feel it it's not like you remember when you gave me a red bull years ago (laughs) and i never had one and i went on stage and i was like okay we got a lot of (laughs) it's not that i I hated that i wish we had video of that show that was amazing (laughs) okay so uh brickhouse nutrition is the company that makes this it's called dawn to dusk i mean that special wound up being one of the most watched things we've ever done uh and more uh, people watch that special than watched cnn that night yeah that's pretty, crazy. pretty amazing. If you want to increase your performance at work or life in general, go to BrickHouseGlenn.com. BrickHouseGlenn.com. Get 15% off your first order with the offer code Glenn, G-L-E-N-N. Or call them at uh, 833-RING-BHN. Satisfaction is guaranteed, so there's no risk. BrickHouseGlenn.com or 833-RING-BHN. I have got to speak my mind on this, as Stu did yesterday. This is grave injustice, as I see this. We wanted to get Lindsey Glass's attorney, Scott Palmer, on to see if he could explain what the heck is happening with with Lindsey Glass and why she's possibly going to go to jail for a year for something that the pol- even the police say you saved lives. Welcome to the program, Scott Palmer. Thank you. Nice to be on. Thank you. So can you can you tell me the story? What are we missing in this story? Why are they pursuing this? I have no idea. Some cases should be prosecuted and some are just plain should never be. This the, the idea that this case should be the legacy of this horrible tragedy. This is what we're talking about now rather than the mental health and the, the, the domestic abuse and the fact that this is a premeditated her heinous crime that was going to happen regardless of where this man was drinking or not drinking. Uh, it just is, is an insult to the actual memories of these, of these seven people that were killed. Uh, a couple of things that I wanted to make sure that we were clear on. She, she did not know he was drunk. She did. Uh, she served him alcohol, as you said, uh, over a four hour period of time. But the, the idea that she understood he was intoxicated is that that's the, the fact question. That's the big issue. That's something we're going to fight. She right. did understand and appreciate he was acting strangely. Right. And she knew him in some way or another. He was a regular there. But she served Correct. two hard liquor drinks and two beers over a four hour period. That, yeah, I mean, left. your body, your body will, will, uh, uh, it's been a drink an hour is what yeah, your body, works I mean, your, through, right? your body will work through that. How is she yeah. even responsible at all? 
Well, she she's not, and that's why. I mean, the law is, and I, I, I heard your intro in, in the dram shop area where you sir overserve somebody and they get in a wreck, an accident. Okay, and then there's there's liability under the civil law. Mm-hmm. But and 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 the bar was sued by the lawyers that represented the uh, the families, and I do those types of cases as well. And I got to be honest with you. If they came to me with the theory that the bar is responsible for the death of these people, when you've got a massive proximate cause issue, big, dis- I mean, you've got an intentional act that was de- planned, premeditated for, for probably weeks. He had a, an armory in his, in his apartment of thousands and thousands of rounds and guns, and he had been plotting this apparently for a while. But to put liability on the bar or the bartender for what he did. It's just it, it, I can see why you're angry and why you're doing the story and this why the the world has been you know attracted to the story. It, it doesn't make any sense to tr- prosecute her. There is no justice here. There's no justice being done on this. No, I, I completely and agree with you. Is it all true that she left the bar first? Tried she tried to, to stop him right before leaving. Before he left, well, they, she tried to stop him. They well, they had a conversation. They went outside, and, they, and she's like, "What's going on? You're you're not acting. You're acting strange." And he was very veiled in what he was saying, and she was asking, "Is, it, is this about Meredith, which is his ex, or soon to be ex wife?" And he's no, it has nothing to do with her. And so he lied, and apparently he's a master manipulator, according to his ex mother in law, um, and he's a very adept drunk, which means he is able to mask his intoxication mm-hmm. and fool people that. into serving him, which is exactly what happened here. Mm-hmm. So she just got a bad vibe from him and he ends up believing and she just did not feel right. So she literally leaves the bar who, who, who leaves their work? Nobody. Uh, and, no, I think I, I honestly, Scott, I think Lindsay is a hero. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I, 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 she did something extraordinary. She did. And she left the bar. Now I understand that the house that he went to was his ex-wife's house. Um, and she has had moved on and Lindsay thought that this, uh, Spencer had moved on too. they had conversations. They were, they were friendly. They weren't best friends, but Lindsay was supposed to be at the bar. I met the house that night. There was a cowboy. I think they were playing the Falcons. It was the first game of the year in 17. And, uh, but she was working. She had a bar full of people, eight to 10 people is with the video. I haven't seen the mm-hmm. video yet. And she's paying attention to a lot of folks, including him, but not enough meaningful time to, you know, observe him, his walk, his, you know, and that's where a lot of the, uh, the probable cause affidavit is talking about how he was walking and his mannerisms, but how he, well, how he, he's a bartender on a sports right. night. Good exactly. heavens. I mean, this is ridiculous. And she does call her bar manager and then they called the owner. And, you know, there were some text messages that they, they quoted saying that, you know, she, she thought he was you know crazy or something. And maybe he was crazy. He was about to commit mass murder that nobody knew. But she leaves the bar, literally leaves the bar, and has a customer, man, and like not serve anybody. He's like, just hold the fort. I've got to go. Extraordinary move mm. on her part. Drives down with her co, I guess, bartender who wasn't working that night. Came in off, off the clock, and she goes to the, uh, the home of Meredith, and she sees this vehicle, Spencer's vehicle, behind, like in the alleyway. We have alleyways in Texas. And she freaks out and calls 911 immediately, just has this premonition that something bad has happened. Why is he here? He's not supposed to be here. What's going on? And she links up his, his bizarre behavior, calls 911, and they tell her to leave, get out of the way. And then eight minutes later, 
seven people are dead. But if he had, she hadn't called 911, the SWAT team had not been able to be out there when they did, more people would have been dead. Hmm. And, and the, if I'm not mistaken, Scott, the, the other wor- worker that she called initially wound up flagging down an officer as well uh, in this process. So they tried to contact police at least twice during this situation. That's that's new information. I have not heard right. that one, but that, that doesn't make it, it. Certainly makes stands to reason that they were they were both in the moment and they were looking for help. They're fe- just fearing the worst, not knowing what he was going to do. They didn't even know what. Uh, you know. Who is the prosecuting attorney? What is he thinking? What was she Hold supposed on. to do? She did more than anyone else would have done. So here's the rub on this: the Plano Police Department. Not TABC, from what I understand. The Plano Police Department issued this warrant. And when they they pro- typed up an affidavit, three pages, and went and saw a municipal court judge who has power to issue a warrant. And they did this, I believe, unbeknownst and without conferring with the Collin County District Attorney's Office. Hmm. How's that happen? Not normal. Well, and you have to understand, there was an officer-involved shooting. They shot and killed Spencer Height shortly after he, 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 he murdered these people. So there, whenever you have an officer-involved shooting, there is an, uh, usually a grand jury is convened, and then there's an inquiry, and of course the officer has to go to grand jury and be to be no-billed, and that's what happened. Then. So there was a whole involved, a huge involved investigation from the Plano Police Department. Maybe the Texas Rangers were involved, and so all of that happened, you know, in 17 and 18. So all of this, all the evidence, everything that was was presented to the grand jury was examined by multiple investigators, and Lindsay was cooperative. During this entire time, they, well, so they, did she, the did the Plano police not commend her that night and say, if it wasn't for you, there would have been more dead? That's my understanding, that they commended her. They continued to commend her and understood that she was having massive PTSD. I believe they referred her to a therapist hmm. that is part of a government grant that is, you know, that is touches and concerns the you know these the victims of, of family violence and things of that nature so she's been in therapy they know this they're aware of everything and they do this on april 8th the very day that the civil lawsuit was dismissed voluntarily by the plan of attorneys last 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 question for you because i know you've got to run um you in reading your history um you you have a lot of really positive results for your clients um, but you are also known as a, uh, a, you know, entering into plea negotiations. You're not going to plead this, are you? Uh, I, I, I plan on never having this case darken the courthouse door. This case has not been filed. I, I mean, there are, I do, I'm a trial lawyer. I go to trial when, when necessary, of course. We yeah. plead cases when, when it's the right thing to do. And Correct. I understand that. So no, this this is if this gets filed, which I'm, we are working with the DA's office to to encourage them not to file this case, not accept the case from the Plano Police Department. That's the first step. If it does get accepted, which I'll be surprised if they do accept it after the uproar uh, that's been, and and your 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 the prevailing attitude across this country and the world. I'm getting emails from all over the world in support of her. Uh, is don't prosecute her. So hopefully the Collin County District Attorney's Office is listening. And I'm going to my job and my associate's job is to, to encourage them to not take the case. Well, if the case is taken, we will go to trial. Scott, I tell you, as, as Stu and I take this one um, personally. 
We are we move to Texas because there is common sense. There is no common sense in prosecuting this this woman. She is she should be look, viewed, I think, as a hero. Um, and if you will keep us up to date, anything we can do to help, we will. This is wrong. This is absolutely wrong. I agree with you 100 percent. We will keep you up to date and hopefully give you some good news that the case has been refused. Um, we'll let you know. Great. Thank you very Thank much, you. Scott. Appreciate it. Okay, LifeLock. So many ways that cyber, cyber criminals can take what is yours. When your personal identity is exposed, someone can use it to commit identity theft. According to a recent global malware uh, study, the volume of malware has risen for the third straight year, uh, reaching 206.4 million attacks just in last year, just in 2018. That's an 11% year-over-year increase, and it is only going to get worse. LifeLock will detect a wide range of identity threats, like your Social Security number on sale for the dark web. If they detect your information is being used, they will send you an alert. If there's a problem, a U.S.-based restoration specialist is going to work to fix it. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions. Like I said, 206 Point four million attacks just with malware. Nobody can monitor all of it, but LifeLock can uncover the threats that you might miss on your own, and then they will work to fix it with you. Get 10% off your first year by using the promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or lifelock.com. Make sure you use the promo code BECK and you'll get 10% off. Lifelock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. We pause for 10 seconds, station ID. So there is a... There's a 14-year-old girl on YouTube, and she has 800,000 followers. That's a lot. Um, she is, um, at 14, she's foul-mouthed, uh, and she is saying all kinds of things that you just don't say in civil society, or at least in this PC world. It's the kind of stuff that comedians might have said uh, years ago, but nobody has the balls to say it. Uh, it seems like it goes way beyond that, though, right? I mean, you could see these real hardcore comedians 20 years ago saying things like this. Um, but maybe. she, yeah, maybe. Uh, but she is, she's way way out of the norm now i want you to listen this is her on muslim she's 14 years old listen to this since then i've become a devout follower of the prophet mahmoud suffice to say i've been having a ton of fun of course i get raped by my 40 year old husband every so often and i have to worship a black cube to indirectly please an ancient canaanite god but at least i get to go to san fran and stone the out of some gays and the cops can't do anything about it because California is a crypto caliphate. The only part of Islam I absolutely cannot get into is the anti-Jew stuff. Personally, I just can't support any sort of animosity towards Jews. I wouldn't want to be a Nazi now, would I? Oof. <clears throat> now. 
in our society, everything she just said is unacceptable. However, the only speech that needs protecting is the speech we disagree with. I don't like this because she's taking on a religion. She is being disrespectful, yada, yada. But she has a right to say these things. She's clearly, clearly an intelligent uh, person knowing about a caliphate. Well, uh, how many people knew about a caliphate when I was talking about a caliphate? I mean, she's say she's saying those words. We don't know that. I mean, I, I kind of t- you look at the video, and to me, it just seems like it's stuff that's written uh, for for them. For her, I don't. Right? Like it's I don't know who's reading writing a script, it. right? I mean, she's yeah, definitely might, might reading be. a script. Maybe. I mean, it's yeah. possible she wrote it, but I mean, it doesn't seem. I mean, it doesn't seem like that to me. Which so, is kind of the part of the the part of it that disturbs me a little bit. It's like you're, you know, you're put, are you putting your kid up on the to to make this sort of commentary and and. And you're writing, you know, writing have them use the F word a million times and talk about being raped. I mean, I, I, I don't think as, as uh, America's uh, greatest parent, uh, I don't think I would go down that road. I know I, I, I would. I don't think that that would be a good direction. I, I would be saying to my son, even if he wanted to do this or my daughter, I would be saying, you're going to destroy your life. Don't do that. It's not it's not right. Yeah. And you're going to destroy your life. Don't do it. And a 14-year-old certainly, you know, as you may know, Glenn doesn't always listen to their daddy. Right. Uh, so we know right. that we could, but the way the, the jokes are written, it, it just seems like it's some, it's an adult writing them. Now, uh, here, here she is defending her videos. Listen. Apparently, because there's 800,000 of you, I'm burdened with the duty of babysitting and indoctrinating you, and I bear the social responsibility of treating you like cattle who are such blubbering retards that they can't think for themselves. Let me put it in blunt terms for you. There's no such thing as the social responsibility of entertainers, you For decades now, kids have been getting taught leftist public schools and none of you bat an eye, but someone puts some videos up on YouTube without any pretense and suddenly they're brainwashing people. You could beg me kicking and screaming to stop disseminating the ideas I believe in and it wouldn't make a difference. Not only am I inoculated to that most of Gen Z is too. Millennials grew up with MTV and nowadays they watch Colbert. We, on the other hand, grew up with the internet. So we have no centralized source of information that controls what we think. And we filter out the truth for ourselves. We're not lazy. No one is brainwashing kids. Kids are simply learning from having free access to information. And there's nothing you can do about it. Keep crying about how scared you are that we're being weaponized for the upcoming crusades. What are you gonna do? Tell me to watch ContraPoints? Kill yourself. In any case, I'm wondering why they're concerned with what I say instead of being concerned with the parents who let their kids watch me. But then again, these are the same brainlets that believe it would benefit society if every mother would ship in an undocumented Latino woman to take care of her children while she works as a secretary. Calling us brainwashed won't do a thing when we're kicking your ass in every metric. Wow. Society is just awful. Let's just turn it off. (laughs) So now... It's about time. I'm, what was that show a, a, on the USA? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting on that. So let's just let's just burn the whole thing down. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Wait, do we have a, any ex? Is there any? Is, is is Elysium a real thing? Can we go there? There's a couple things. If she is this intelligent, I mean, I could have seen. I mean, it's, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro. We knew him at that age. Yeah, and he never would have done that. Nor would he do it today. No, would never. I'm not saying that. I'm saying she is making. A, at least a cogent argument. It's not necessarily one I agree with, but she's making a cogent argument. And it is a backlash. This is the backlash 
that you will see from the next generation. Because this generation says shut everything down, the pendulum will swing back. This is your future. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Relief Factor. If you're in constant pain, you are not alone. I know because I was in constant pain for years. Um, it, it, it's just you can't live this way. You just can't live this way. And 66% of the people who are living this way expect that the rest of their lives are going to be living this way. I, I can't do it. My wife, because I'm really stubborn, um, and I've woken up on an operating table two times uh, I have a very high tolerance to any pain relief or anything else. So I never thought relief factor would work for me. My wife was, she got pissed at me. She was like, try it, just try it. And so I did. And I'm glad I married a saint. Um, and it worked. It works. 70% of the people who try this, it works for them. I take it three times a day faithfully. When I don't take it, I know I don't take it. It is relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Order their quick start. Try it for three weeks, 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Today is the one-year anniversary of the uh, embassy moving to Jerusalem. We have a joint production between The Blaze and faithwire.com celebrating it. It starts tonight on Blaze TV. There is a, there's a book out, new book, called Alchemy. The Dark Art and Curious Science of Creating Magic in Brands, Business, and Life. Uh, this has, to me, I'm going on vacation in a couple of days. This is a book I'm going to be reading on vacation. Um, because it talks about how we are missing how people are feeling. And, I mean, how do you get somebody to drink Red Bull when it's horrible i mean it's horrible i've had one and Stu gave it to me and it made me feel like crap but it but it tastes good it, it doesn't taste good it's awful it's almost the charm of it in some weird way how i don't know how there's other competitors like the new monster rain stuff is really good it tastes delicious so uh rory sutherland is um uh, a an ad man uh he writes the spectators uh, wiki man column he also presents for the bbc radio four uh in uh in england his ted talks have you know like seven million views and he is the author of alchemy and uh, we welcome him to the program Hi, Rory. How are you? Very good to be on. Thank you very much. You bet. Um, I'm fascinated um, by what you've what you've found and where we're headed. Give me some of the give me some of the highlights uh, here. First, let, let's start with Red Bull. How do you get people to drink Red Bull when it tastes like garbage? <laughs> well, this is the strange thing. You see, if you sat down in a, in a in a room with a lot of completely rational people and you said we want a drink to compete with coca-cola the first thing they'd say is okay your new drink has to taste nicer than coke uh, it's got to cost less than coke and it should come in a really big can so people get great value for money and yet weirdly the most successful competitor for coke in financial terms has probably been this very expensive drink in a tiny can that tastes kind of horrible mm-hmm. not kind I, of I, I drink it myself <laughs> right. and i want to say this quite clearly i really quite enjoy it 
Mm. And the reason is, of course, that I think everything in human perception is affected not just by reality, but by context. And so if your promise is that your drink has kind of medicinal or psychoactive powers, the fact that it tastes weird isn't a disadvantage. It's actually a kind of proof point. Mm. An interesting case, by the way, is that Diet Coke, uh, as distinct from Coke Zero, Diet Coke is deliberately made to taste a little bit more bitter than ordinary Coke, simply because if there isn't a small mental trade-off, we don't believe it's a diet drink. Mm. So does this, does this, were these things planned? For instance, did, did the people uh, at Red Bull, did they, did they f- instinctively know this or scientifically know this, that they had to make it taste like dog crap? Um, interesting. Um, I think an awful lot of uh, successes in capitalism are partly accidental. Right. Um, so, you know, I've always asked the question, you probably know that candy is put next to the till in, in uh, shops because the argument is that children pester their parents to buy Correct. it. Correct. My hunch is that originally this didn't happen to plan. All that happened is people noticed that if you had candy next to the till, you sold more candy. And it's a kind of evolutionary process in capitalism, I think, which is much more of free market capitalism, capitalism than we think is a process of discovering what it is people want. We ourselves don't fully know. Uh, we don't have introspective access to uh, all of our brains and all of our preferences. And so a very large part, I think, of, of consumer capitalism is a process of experimentation and selection, a kind of Darwinian thing. And I think I mean, one example I find fascinating is that Google, now let's be absolutely honest here, Google is a very good search engine. I'm not yes. claiming that, that uh, it's anything other than that. You're right. It, however, did a very clever psychological trick in the sense that at the time, everybody else was trying to be a portal. They put sports scores, they put weather information, yep. they put breaking news, and Google just had a search bar and two buttons. Right. Now, actually, psychologically, that's very astute um, because there's a, a known thing in psychology called the jack-of-all-trades heuristic, which is that we tend to think that something that only does one thing is going to be better at it than something that does multiple things. You know, I've I've often that, thought I've often thought Rory that that page also lends Google credibility because you're not associating it with anything other than information that you're looking for. So I never see an ad that for something that I like or don't like. I never see a news story that I like or don't like. It seems neutral, even though it's not. No, I, I agree with you. I think the very simplicity of the thing is psychologically brilliant. Yeah. However, I think the reason for its simplicity isn't intentional. It was simply that Larry Page at the time wasn't very good at coding HTML, and it was kind of the best <laughs> mm. to do. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so quite often, I think what happens, Dyson is an interesting case uh, in terms of the vacuum cleaner. I think there that in terms of what makes a successful innovation, we probably pay too much credit to technology and too little to psychology. In the case of Dyson, I think the magic comes from the fact that the thing is transparent and you can actually see the dirt that you're removing from your floor. In the case of Uber, I think the brilliant psychological insight is simply that waiting for a cab, uh, waiting for a taxi, is inordinately less frustrating if you can see where it is. I, and, it, you know, I had no idea that this came from a James Bond film or what, somebody watching it. Can you explain the story of how this came about? 
No, so one of the co-founders of Uber, who I think was Canadian, uh, one afternoon was watching Goldfinger. And um, uh, in Goldfinger, if you remember it, uh, there's this uh, fascinating moment where Bond, I think, is tracking him through the Swiss Alps. Uh, Goldfinger is in a Rolls Royce, which is made of gold, in fact, which is how he's smuggling gold out of the country. Um, and Bond has to track him, and there's a little map, a moving map in the face here of his Aston Martin DB6, and on the map is a dot which enables him to follow Goldfinger's car while remaining out of sight. And the fascinating thing there is that this guy, this Canadian guy watching this something like 10 years ago, looked at that and said, that's how it should work when you order a taxi. Wow, that's brilliant. A multi-billion dollar decision there. You, yeah, you, absolutely. you make the case that we don't value things. We are a society of things. And you say we don't value things. We value their meaning. Yes, I think, that's, I think that's absolutely true, which is that economics is a rather barren, dismal discipline because it tries to treat everything as if it's a commodity. It assumes we know exactly what we want, how much value we attach to it. It assumes that we're making decisions in a world of complete certainty. Now, in truth, um, in between what something is and how we perceive it, there is a whole lot of noise going on. There's the context in which we perceive it. Um, something can seem expensive or cheap, by the way, entirely dependent on what you compare it to. Um, there's a famous example that Rolls-Royce and Maserati stopped exhibiting their cars so heavily at car shows because a $400,000 car looks insanely expensive at a car show. Mm. If you exhibit those cars at yacht and aircraft shows, everything changes. If you've been looking at Learjets all afternoon, a $400,000 car is effectively an impulse buy. <laughs> it's the candy. <laughs> it's the candy at the cash register. Exactly. On your way out, you say, I'll have a couple of those while I'm yeah. here. Yeah. And so um, I, always, I also cite Nespresso as an example of this. It's quite an expensive coffee if you compare it to ground coffee. It's a cheap coffee if you compare it to Starbucks. So, Rory, I was... Um, I was against donald trump during the election um and i'm a conservative uh in in uh in radio here and television in america but i was against him and i could not understand how my audience was flocking to him until after the election uh and i started asking the question that I would have asked any of my friends who were acting, you know, erratically and saying, I believe in this, but then I'm going to go vote for this. Um, and I started asking the question, what's happening in your life? Then I began to understand how people felt. And I know facts don't care about feelings, but feelings, especially now in politics, are playing the critical role it's how because people on both sides and i think all over europe and in england with brexit there are those people in brexit that are racist but there are also those who feel like they've been left behind not listened to they're losing their culture um and they don't agree with what's going on but nobody's listening to them and I don't care what side you're on, but that is a big motivator, I think, all around the world right now are these people who feel 
Nobody's listening to me. I don't matter. And I think, actually, that that feeling of detachment, um, what you might call the technocratic elite, to use the standard term, they are to blame for that happening. Yes, yes. And it's partly, the problem lies not necessarily in them being technocratic or in being an elite. It's that they're all technocratic in the same way. And they're people who are very similar in terms of their education, quite often Mm -hmm. similar in terms of their background. And their capacity to understand someone whose life experience is different from their own uh, seems to me extraordinarily bad. I would add to that, I think, the fact that Trump is in many ways a persuasive genius. I think he's an instinctive, you might expect this in the real estate industry, but Mm -hmm. he's an instinctive salesman of Mm -hmm. a remarkable kind. Mm -hmm. Um, If you take something like, we're going to build a wall, um, that's concretization. In other words, what you say is you, you actually take what you're aiming for and you literally make it concrete in this case. Now, if Hillary wanted to actually respond to people's concerns over immigration, she'd say something like, we're going to hold constructive tripartite discussions with our Mexican and Canadian allies. Okay? <laughs> Not the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so his ability, I think, to connect, ironically for someone who's a billionaire with a private jet, um, his ability to connect with a far wider tranche of people than Hillary could, I think he's remarkable and fascinating. I'm not entirely in favor of him either, um, although I'm probably more forgiving than most Europeans are. Yeah. <laughs> I also do welcome the fact that he's from a slightly different mental mold, at least, because I do think the political caste essentially, certainly on large number of sort of both moral and economic questions, they've come to all think the same way. I, and I think you're exactly right. And I, I've begun to understand him and even appreciate some of the things that uh, he does. Um, I would love to have you back, Rory. If, or, do you ever come to the United States? Uh, quite frequently, as often as I can. I would love to sit down and talk to you because I, I'm, I'm very concerned. I, I'm, a, I'm a, I guess, an anti-fan in some ways of Edward Bernays. Um, and we are entering a time now of, of these corporations. You know, for instance, Amazon uh, they are so driven on data. They say that when they can predict us at 95%, they're going to stop being really a, uh, a catalog online and more of just a delivery service. They're just going to be delivering stuff to us before we even order it. Uh, you it look always at, becomes on approval that Amazon will, correct. will preemptively send us things. Correct. And on occasion, we'll send it back. So there's, we're entering this time between Facebook, Google, Amazon, where I'm not sure that who's leading who. Advertising is going to change dramatically, and it concerns me. And I'd love to have a conversation with you. Would you? Would you come I also, back? I also think there's real scope for concern because what we tend to think of as impartial, such as choosing what to buy online or, for example, uh, an algorithm online, because it's numerical and digital, we tend to see it as being impartial and objective. Actually, all those things carry with them the prejudices mm-hmm. of the people who, the unconscious prejudices in many cases, of the people who design them. Yes. We find it quite amusing in the UK because if you take Google Navigation, it gives you an option of traveling somewhere by public transport, or you can make the same journey by car. 
Now, in Europe, if you live just outside London, the logical way to get to central London is you drive to a nearby railway station and mm-hmm. then take the train into London. Mm-hmm. Google can't understand this because it's too Californian to understand mm-hmm. the concept of driving somewhere mm-hmm. and then catching a train. Right. So in, in lots and lots of cases, the way in which things are designed carry with them a lot of um, unconscious assumptions about what a good decision is. And it may not be true. Uh, Rory, I, I've, I've got to let you go, but I really thank you. And I hope that we can spend some more time together because I, I think you are um, uh, brilliant and on the, the cutting edge of uh, the future and, and the consequences and what's happening right now. Um, Rory Sutherland and the name of the book is Alchemy. Definitely uh, a read that you should uh, you should pick up. Blinds.com is our sponsor. Blinds.com's constantly getting stories like this. This one's comes in from uh, Tommy in uh, Claremont, Florida. He said, the blinds were perfect. I saved money. They're higher quality than the box store product. Our windows look brand new. That's, that's the weird thing is you put, this is the cheapest way to change the feel of your house. You change the window coverings in your house and it changes so much. He said, our windows look brand new with our Blinds.com order. I've had several other window blinds that need replacing, and I will definitely be using Blinds.com. Thanks for employing great people who meet and exceed the customer's expectations. This is why they have over 30,000 five-star customer reviews. They're America's number one online choice for affordable, custom-quality window coverings. Every order gets free samples, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee now blinds.com is having their two-day flash sale between may 14th and 15th that's today isn't it today and tomorrow uh or is that yesterday and today 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 is the last day save up to 45 percent off of everything plus get an extra 20 percent off with the promo code back that's blinds.com save up to 45 percent off everything today is the last day plus take an extra 20 percent uh 20 dollars off your order when you use the promo code back but only today last day blinds.com promo code back Jordan Peterson's mentor, the guy Jordan Peterson called up and said, hey, I, I want to start saying some things. How do I do it? Gad Sad, next. Thank you so much, Hillary. Um, FreedomWorks. Um, FreedomWorks is working on something right now uh, because most people don't know that our own HHS secretary, Alex Azar, is helping the socialists by trying to let foreign countries dictate the prices of our medicine here in the United States. Doing this is going to lead to shortages of vital medicines. It'll set back medical research decades. It'll make it harder for researchers to find cures for horrible diseases like Alzheimer's and cancer and diabetes. When did we sign up for foreign countries, you know, setting our drug prices? When did when did that happen? Now, FreedomWorks is doing all they can by raising the alarm and 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 trying to get people to understand what's happening with socialized medicine and stopping it in its tracks. But boy, this is going to be a hard, hard battle. They are way ahead on the left. They need your help at FreedomWorks. I would urge you to go to freedomworksforme.com, freedomworksforme.com, and tell Secretary uh, Azar to put the America first and fix patients, not prices. 
freedomworksforme.com. Go there right now. It's freedomworksforme.com. All right, coming up in uh, just a few minutes. I'm really excited to have Gad Sad on. Yeah, that's I was, great. I was nervous the first time I talked to him. Really? Because, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a lot smarter than you. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yes, I just don't. he is a lot smarter than me. That goes without saying. Um, but, you know, when you meet somebody that you respect, you don't know how it's going to go. You hate to have people you really respect disappoint you. And he has done the exact opposite. He's an amazing, amazing man who I just I just love. He's joining us next. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. A new friend of mine, Gad Sad, is uh, is in the holding uh, pen right now. He's about to come on. He is an evolutionary behavioral scientist. Basically, he's a professor of marketing. Um, he is one of the greatest thinkers of our time. In fact, he's the guy that Jordan Peterson called when Jordan said, I think I need to speak out because... Because Gadsad had been speaking out and speaking his mind for a very long time. He is really, they call him the Gadfather, but the godfather of the intellectual dark web before it had a name. He just naturally is that guy. You are going to have a wild ride if you've never heard him. If you have heard him, he's at his best. Gad Sad joins us in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck program. We should ask Gad what we, how we should market uh, the X chair, Stu. That's a good point. I guess we we should have thought of this in advance. He'd probably be like, you know, what you shouldn't do is start an advertisement with a question about how you should talk about it. <laughs> that's that's one thing he would probably recommend. So? Yeah, yeah. All we know is it's really comfortable. Right. And we sit in it and really enjoy it. And when you're working at a home office or Look, you're sitting in a chair all day, this he is would what probably you say mm-hmm. you should relate to the audience. Okay. Yeah. So have you ever sat in a chair and your butt falls asleep? <laughs> okay. That's that's, that's happened good, to right? everyone. It's happened to everybody. Your butt falls asleep mm-hmm. and you're like, my butt really doesn't do that much all day. Why does it need to sleep more than I am? I feel like it should be awake when I need it to be awake. Right. It should be awake right now. I'm working. I'm sitting. And it goes to sleep. Uh, so the one thing that's happened with the next chair, it's super, super comfortable. It is like a bed for your butt, but your butt doesn't go to sleep. How's that? What do you think? Do you think I, that works? Oh, I'm sure Gad's going to approve that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> say, now that's, that's caveman. That's, that's <laughs> evolutionary <laughs> thought right there. Uh, anyway, uh, X chair. X chair, the best chair I've ever sat in. It is really much more like a lazy boy. I, I, this is an office chair. But I am not kidding you. I would watch a movie in this chair. It comes with a footrest, and it's really super comfortable. It supports you in all the right places. And like I said, it's a bed for your butt. So X-Chair, go to xchairbeck.com. 30-day money-back guarantee, no questions asked. you got to try this chair. It's an X-Chair, xchairbeck.com. If you use the promo code X-Wheels, you're going to receive a free set of the new X-Wheels, which are these, you know, like on the German the engineering and bull bearings, uh, really, really good. Uh, xchairbeck.com. Do it now. Promo code XWheels, xchairbeck.com. We get uh, Dr. Gad Sad on with us now. 
Hello, doctor. How are you? Well, I'm pretty good. I'm a little offended that you've never responded back to me. How are you, doctor? How are you, oh, doctor? I was, uh, how are you, doctor? Thank you very much. Uh, I was just going to say that it's quite befitting that uh, prior to my coming on, you discuss butts. Because <laughs> I've been referred to as the Ron Jeremy of evolutionary psychology. So there, there's a reference for you. <laughs> really? Really? That's uh, fascinating. Um, uh, so, uh, Gad, I, I, we just had Rory Sutherland on. Do you know who he is? He wrote the I book. Do. What do you think of him? I mean, I don't know much of his work. I, I, I know of some friends who speak very highly of him. I think we follow each other on social media. But I couldn't say more than that, to be honest with okay. you. Okay. He's got a new book out called uh, Alchemy. And we were kind of talking about um, the, the way that feelings are playing such a role now uh, in, in marketing and, you know, how I didn't understand how people were voting for Donald Trump until I said, what's happening in your life? And then I, then I realized why people were so um, strongly behind him. They felt that they weren't being heard. Nobody was listening. The, uh, the political ruling class was doing the same thing over and over. They'll tell you one thing, do another. He was cut from a different cloth. They knew that he was piggish, uh, but they, were, they just wanted somebody that would break up this system uh, and they thought he could do it, and, and he was a wise enough businessman that he wouldn't destroy the country. That was yeah. eye-opening to me. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I think you're right on that, of course, feelings matter when it comes to marketing products, marketing politicians. I think the danger is when we p- people think that feelings and thinking are, if you like, antithetical to one another. And that's not true. We're both a thinking animal and a feeling animal. Yes. What matters is that you apply the correct system in the proper, you know, for the proper decision. So, for example, if I am selling uh, perfumes, then I need to trigger your hedonic emotional system. Right? I mean, I don't, I don't sell you a perfume by telling you, here is what Harvard physiologists think of this chemical compound. <laughs> right. I need, I need to sell you fantasy, so I show you a gorgeous girl on a mm. horse with her hair flowing. <laughs> on the other hand, if I'm trying to sell you mutual funds, then I need to engage your cognitive system. So it's not so much that we are either feelers or thinkers. It's that we need to apply the right system in the right condition. Oh, but, but wait a minute. If you're selling me mutual funds, um, I would still contend, because I think this is why conservatives lose the battle. Uh, I contend that the fastest way to a person's brain is through their heart. And so you you paint a picture of what people want to be they what they want to do what they want their life to be like and then show them the facts that back up this is how we do it fair enough i mean all that you're saying is that you could never either have a strictly cognitive appeal marketing appeal or a strictly affective appeal and and i certainly would concede that and i and i think that's true i mean all the way to brain surgery i mean i uh, my daughter is we're looking at having brain surgery for her and she's been having testing, you know, like crazy over the last year. And uh, <clears throat> and 
it, while I want a doctor to be able to explain it and really be precise on exactly what he's going to do, and I, I need the I need the facts on exactly what's happening. I also want to feel from him that he is compassionate and understands this is my daughter. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but speaking of physicians, now in Quebec, they are trying. They are thinking of changing the medical school curriculum to no longer include grading because too many of the students are getting high stress. So I really want a physician who is handling life or death, life or death decisions to to be sufficiently weak that they can't handle an A or a B grade. I mean, imagine how much you're infantilizing people when even physicians now or physicians-to-be can no longer handle the indignity of being graded. It's insane. I saw, I saw a report about medical school where people said that there were too many, uh, too many white people and too many uh, men in it or something. I can't remember. And they said, we have to change that. And I'm like, no, let's <laughs> let's just get the qualified people. I don't care what color they are. I want well, the this, most qualified person to be performing surgery. So this is what I call, by the way. So there's this whole movement of diversity, inclusion, and equity. So I've taken the three letters and created the ac- acronym DIE. It's the DIE religion, right? Uh, mm. uh, shared professorships are now assigned as a function of whether you adhere to the die theology or not. I mean, imagine, right? The highest level of excellence in academia is no longer determined by your accomplishments. It's determined by your sexual orientation, whether you ovulate or not, your skin color. It's absolutely insane. And I truly wonder when it is that most academics are going to have the testicular fortitude to wake up and start speaking out against this. Well, I will tell you, I think you guys in Canada are way ahead of us. I mean, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't know what it is in Canada. Maybe it's because you guys have to fight every step of the way and we have this, you know, strange belief that our Constitution will protect us and our Bill of Rights, but it's not going to protect us because we're not standing up for it. Um, but Canada, the academics in, in Canada seem to be b- being very vocal. Well, certainly the, the, the few Canadian academics who are at the forefront of it, yes, you're right. But I, what I would love to see is the silent majority, right? I mean, I, I, as I've often recounted, I, I, I get innumerable emails from fellow professors, not just Canadians, from all over the world saying, hey, I support you. I really support you. Thank you for being, you know, an academic hero. But please, please don't share publicly that I support you. I well, therein that. lies the problem, right? I, know. So, I mean, if you can't even have the courage to simply say, that you support the guy who's fighting for your rights, then we we really have sunk into an abyss of cowardice that's difficult to come out of. I just gave a speech last night uh, to a Jewish and Christian organization. It was the um, anniversary of the establishment of Israel yesterday. And uh, and little did I know, a a woman who survived the uh, Holocaust was in the audience, and I was talking about how, how these things happen. And they don't they don't they don't just they don't come as monsters. They come first, you know, kind of wrapped in goodness and justice and everything else. And they they start with political correctness 
and they train you not to feel comfortable to speak out until you are cowering behind your curtains in your front room and you know if I open up those curtains, they'll kill me. If you don't speak out when it's early, you're not going to have the fortitude to to do anything later. And we're in this point, we're at this flex point now where it's about to go really dark, I think. And if we don't start standing up now, I don't think we're going to make it. The well, Niemöller I, poem becomes true. I, I, I completely agree with you. I just, in preparation of, of our chat, since I, I thought that we might be talking about anti-Semitism, I pulled out some stats, which I discuss in my forthcoming book. So this is from a, a Pew, Pew Research Center survey. Un, you know, it's an unbiased organization, nonpartisan. They do these you know, very exhaustive global surveys. Opinion of Jews in select countries. Here, it, here are the stats for unfavorable opinions of Jews. I'll just list four or five countries. Okay, stop, and stop, stop, Egypt, stop, stop. Let me, yeah. let me uh, take a one-minute break, and then I'll come back. And you can give us those stats. One in one minute. Back with Cat Sat. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about real estate agents I trust.com. This is your biggest investment. Your home is your biggest investment. Do you, do, I mean, if you invest in a 401k, you at least go up to the person incorporate and go, uh, which plan should I invest in? When you're actually investing your own money in stocks and bonds, you go and you look for somebody at JP Morgan or someplace where the, you trust that they're experts. When it comes to your biggest investment, we're all like, do you know somebody that sells houses? Yeah, well, uh, my uh, my brother-in-law, he does that part-time. Okay. <laughs> Why would you do that? You need an expert. You need an agent with a long track record of performance. You need an agent that is an expert in your neighborhood. You need somebody that you can trust because you know they do business like you, they share your values, and they care about actually selling your house. Now, if that's what you want in a real estate agent, I have the address you go to, realestateagentsitrust.com. This is an absolute free service. We will give you the best real estate agent in your area. It's realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. 10 seconds, station ID. Today's the anniversary of the uh, embassy opening up in Jerusalem, the one-year anniversary. It seems like it's been 15 years in some ways. The one-year anniversary, um, uh, we have real problems with Iran. We have just pulled our people out of Iran from the embassy. Um, I, I don't know what this means. Um, I really don't know what this means. We could be going to war with Iran, and the world will change. Um, and as always, when socialism is in vogue, so is something else, anti-Semitism. And anti-Semitism is on the rampage right now. Gad Sad is with us. You have some stats from around the world. Yeah, I'll just give you two quick stats. So one is from uh, Pew Research Center. Here are the uh, percentages of people 
polled in Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, and the Palestinian territory, so the neighbors of Israel, in terms of their unfavorability scores towards the Jews. 95%, 97%, 98%, and 97%. I mean, let that sink in. 98% of people polled in my home country of Lebanon hate the Jews. What a surprise that we had to leave Lebanon in 1975. So, so, wait, wait, wait. So, so when you have somebody like Rashida Tlaib come out and say that her grandmother lost her land and many Palestinians lost their lives so, so the Jews could have a homeland, what, how do you process that? This is uh, this is what I call, I don't know if we discussed this last time that we chatted uh, when I came down to Dallas. This is what I call the collective Munchausen syndrome, right? It's where you gain power by always feigning injury, right? Or in this case, you need to be the victim, right? So she needs to always view the Palestinians as the victims. And so she constructs a story now where she still remains or her ancestors remain the victims in the grand narrative. And it's, it's uh, I, delusional. It is absolutely um, not anywhere close to actual history and delusional. Well, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a personal anecdote. So we were, we were obviously forced to leave Lebanon at the start of the seventh. Uh, 1975 Lebanese Civil War. After we left, my parents kept returning to Lebanon until 1980 when they were kidnapped by Fatah, a Palestinian uh, terror group. Mm. And they found out that our own home in Lebanon has now been taken over by Palestinian refugees. I don't construct today a narrative that, you know, adheres to my, you know, you know, uh, political views. I don't hold any ill will towards all Palestinians because this happened. Just be truthful. And, but she's incapable of being truthful because she always has to create the narrative of the Palestinians are the uh, victims and the evil Jews are the oppressors. You're an atheist, Gad. I am. Do you believe in evil? I do. I do. Uh, now, I, I don't think that one needs to couch the language of, you know, you know the, the existence of evil in a theological construct. Uh, people are born with the random combination of genes that constitute originally their parents. And sometimes people are born tall or short or with a blue dot on their face or without a blue dot on their face. And similarly, through random mutation, some people are born... Uh, for example, serial killers are born without the capacity to feel empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not rooted in a theological construct. It's just the reality of the random combination of genes. So is that, but, but there's a, I believe there is a force of evil. And, you know, I don't have to take it to Satan or anything like that. I can just take it to, you know, you had these really sick people like uh, Hitler and Goebbels and everybody else. They were really disturbed. And they, their force of will uh, became um, in, infectious, and it, it spread, and that evil force that they had within them uh, caught a lot of people up into it that, that weren't necessarily evil. They just kind of were swept up in it. Right. I mean, the, some of the most classic and best-known 
experiments in psychology. So, for example, the Milgram experiment, uh, maybe you might know it, but if, if, let me just kind of briefly it's mention the it. Yale it's the Yale experiment? Exactly, it's the yeah. Yale experiment. Well, well, that came as a result of many of the, you know, foot soldiers, the Nazi foot soldiers, Correct. simply saying, hey, I'm not an evil guy. I was just kind of, I was caught up in the moment. And so what Milgram wanted to do was test whether, you know, there was, there was truth to that, whether I can take completely normal people put them in a condition where I forced them to conform, and then they would do some truly horrifying things. And as he found out, he could get people, without them knowing uh, that this was a, you know, a made-up thing, he could get people to administer voltage to fellow students that would kill them simply through his authority. Hey, you agreed to participate in this experiment, zap them. And so, so you're right. Uh, not every single Nazi was an evil guy, but certainly the ones who orchestrated it were. Um, this is, uh, it goes back to, and you probably remember this book. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm looking for it on my iPad here. The, um, the book about the soldiers in, um, Poland that were some of the best policemen in Poland, not evil and how the Germans turned them into just a massive killing machine. And, right. and and how and how you do that. And I'm I have to tell you, with with the anti-Semitism that's going on with this new poll that we've talked about earlier this week, where um, about 40 percent of the population looks at the other side as not human. 20 percent right. uh, of the Democrats and 13 percent of the Republicans say that uh, we'd be better off if there was some sort of a mass killing of the other side. We're wow. headed towards some really frightening stuff. We'll get your opinion on that and so much more with Dr. Gad Sad, professor at Concordia University, um, and uh, just a just a wise, wise guy, the gadfather, if you will, of the intellectual dark web. Uh, Gad Sad, in more in a minute. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. Simply Safe Home Security uh, knows that the stats prove this out that if you have somebody who is robbing houses, they come to your neighborhood, they come to your house, and they see a security system, they immediately go, 80% of the time, go to the next house. They just, why fool with it? They don't want to get caught. So you need a security system. Now, there, you can go to these box stores and you, you'll get, you know, gadgets. You don't need security gadgets. You need a security system. And Simply Safe Home Security now has the best system. You've not heard me say this. This is, they offer things now that no other security system offers, especially at the price and the the monthly monitoring. There's no contracts. It's $14.99 a month. Plus, getting into it. Well, for instance, how much is a security camera? Well, with Simply Safe, right now, when you uh, order, you'll get a free security camera. That's a $100 value. Eyes on your home 24-7. The best service out there. The best system. SimplySafeBeck.com. So Gad Sad is with us. Uh, he is the the godfather of the intellectual dark web and uh, a friend and uh, just uh, somebody I just really truly admire, uh, admire um, because he is he is really truly open 
to learning. And that's our biggest problem is so many of us are set in our ways and we're like, no, it's not. Look, if somebody can prevent, uh, can present me with new facts, I'll change my mind. Um, I just, I just want to see the facts uh, behind it. Um, Gad, we're, we're talking about anti-Semitism and, and I want to kind of broaden this a little bit to where we're headed in the world. Um, because you really are, you're a behavioral scientist. You're an evolutionary behavioral scientist. You're an ad man, if you will. Um, and have you read Christopher Browning's Ordinary Men? I have not. Okay, it's about the uh, police battalion, uh, I think, 101, uh, the Polish police battalion. And they were good guys, and they none of them wanted to kill Jews. And before you knew it, they were the worst squad out there. And so in the 1960s, they went back and they talked to these guys. What happened? How did this happen? And it's it's fascinating to see the psychological uh, underpinnings on how you go from a good person to a really evil person uh, that was, you know, uh, gladly participating in the Holocaust over a short period of time. We have. We have a system now that we're indoctrinating our kids with socialism, anti-Semitism, collectivism. We have corporations that uh, Michael Rechtenwald from NYU has uh, said to me recently. It is they're not selling their soul. They're not just hitching their star to uh, the band, the current bandwagon by putting Nike, by putting uh, Kaepernick up, they are actually pushing for socialism because they believe that there is going to be a corporate United States of America. And these corporations uh, that are so big up at the top are going to be able to really control things. We get into this place to where, where does advertising, uh, when does it become evil uh propaganda and and when is it just plain old advertising but we are coming to a place to where it's going to be predicting us so much that it will seem totally natural for us to go oh i want to buy that product but it's we're being manipulated well that Incidentally, I mean, that's exactly why I love, I mean, the scientific discipline of marketing, because as I often remark, life is marketing and marketing is life. So uh, advertising in of itself is just a mechanism to, to transmit information. Now, that mechanism can be used for nefarious purposes, or it can be used to convince you that you should not lead a sedentary life and stop smoking and stop eating French fries. So, so there's nothing inherently evil or good about advertising. It's really how you use it. So in my case, the way that I use, uh, you know, some of my marketing know-how is how can I construct messages that are appealing and that will uh, sway people to, for example, get engaged in the battle of ideas. So it's not just about marketing of Coca-Cola and uh, Starbucks. We market ideas. I mean, if we are good academics, we should also be in the business of packaging and selling good ideas. So it is in that sense that I use my marketing know-how in selling 
good ideas and killing bad ones. So how are we, because I don't hear anybody with a good marketing campaign on the free market. I don't hear anybody that's, that's presenting that in a way that seems relevant uh, or, uh, or winning. Well, I think, I think the reason for that is that the, the public discourse is really carried out at such a banal and trivial level, right? We're still talking about should we be uh, uh, getting Donald Trump Jr. to, to, you know, to, to testify and so on, mm-hmm. rather than talking exactly about the issues that you're talking about. I mean, is the death penalty a good thing for a civilized society or not? What are your views on abortion? Uh, should, what should be our proper fiscal policy, our monetary policy? our foreign policy. Most people don't want to talk about these things. They'd rather engage in gossip, even in the context of the political arena. And so our discourse is really at the level of a five-year-old rather than elevating it to, to that of, you know, well-thinking adults. So how do we get people there? We get them to read my books and consume my material. That's how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really what you, what you do is that you, you maintain a a discipline of, as you said earlier, always wanting to learn, right? I mean, one of the things that happens to me whenever we're about to go on vacation with the family is I go through this process in my personal library where I'm in an utter panic because I've got three, 400 books that mm-hmm. I've yet to read. And the question becomes, which book am I bringing? I know, it's Sophie's vacation? Choice. I'm doing it today myself. I'm, I'm going exactly. on vacation tomorrow. Now, now, why is it that you and I are sitting there, you know, torturing ourselves over this? Because we are hungry for knowledge. So I think if we can get people to, you know, listen less to Ariana Grande and worry less about Justin Bieber and about, you know, whatever, you know, mental chips people consume every day uh, and elevate the conversation. I'm, I'm not sure there is a panacea. There's a magic pill. But uh, but but uh, see, here's the problem. Um, I remember back in the 90s being so clear and every conservative i know so i will never give my fingerprint to the government that's outrageous i won't get facial recognition that's got to be stopped really we're giving our fingerprint to apple and facial recognition gladly the the power of brave new world is so strong that even when people know this is destructive behavior, this social media thing that I'm hooked to, it's right. destructive. They will not get rid of it. You know, you know it's, and that speaks exactly to the point that people engage in bad behavior, not necessarily because they don't know the consequences, right? This is sort of a classic intervention strategy. Oh, if you want to get people to stop smoking, explain to them that smoking is bad for them. But I mean, which person alive today doesn't know that smoking is not good for you, right? Right. Uh, Here's a great story. Uh, I had a physician once that I went to see. I was suffering from bronchitis, and I used to suffer from asthma. I went to see him because I was suffering from bronchitis. He was chain-smoking in the consultation room. So I asked him, hey, hey, doc, do you think it's reasonable for you to be? And he just laughed it off and said, ah, don't worry about it. Now, did this physician not know that it was inappropriate not only to be smoking in front of me, but to be smoking for his own lungs? Of course he knew. So it's it's much more than simply providing people with information. It's providing people with information that is actionable. Let me, if I can just give you one quick example using the smoking example. Uh, Young men who heavily (laughs) smoke 
are the ones most likely to suffer from erectile dysfunction. Young men usually don't suffer from erectile dysfunction, but if they are heavy smoker, they are much higher risk to suffer from uh, erectile dysfunction. If I want to stop a young man from smoking, telling him that he might develop lung cancer or uh, you know, heart disease when he is 75 is not going to catch his attention. Telling him that he won't be able to perform tonight with the gorgeous girl will. It doesn't take a fancy evolutionary psychologist to understand that point. So it's not so much providing people with information, but it's about providing them with the right information. However, when the pleasure is so great, and this is one thing I'm very concerned about, when the pleasure or the reward is so great, um, and it's not real life, for instance, you can say, you know, look, you playing these uh, video games or or engaging with pornography, um, it, it it it's like heroin. It's going to rewire your brain, and you studies will show that you will have a much less fulfilling sex life in real life if you're doing these things online. They don't really care. I, well, listen, the, the one who crashed that mystery will be booking themselves a ticket to Stockholm to pick up the Nobel Prize. I mean, that, that's, that really is very much the type of stuff that I do, right? How can I get people to engage in some action uh, using some appropriate persuasion technique. Uh, what we absolutely know, to repeat, it's not simply the fact that people do bad things because they don't know any better. So, for example, when it comes to sun tanning, women are much more aware of the deleterious consequences of sun tanning, yet mm-hmm. they do it much more than men. Mm-hmm. So it's not about not having the proper information, it's giving them the correct information. Ken, what is your uh, feeling on... Uh, on uh Edward Bernays. I think we briefly mentioned him last when I was on your uh, long podcast. podcast. Uh, I think so. Uh, this is the propaganda guy, correct? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you had, uh, that's right. I, you hadn't really looked at that video. I hadn't, of it. Exactly. I haven't read. Uh, and I remember someone, I think, even wrote on your in your comment session, what, he's a professor of marketing and he hasn't delved into this? So maybe I really need to get into this guy, right? Yeah, you should. You should. I'd be fascinated to hear what you think because he's, you know, he's the reason we have eggs and bacon for breakfast. Um, uh, and he was not an ad guy. He was he was the father of propaganda. He won uh, World War I uh, for the West uh, and and Goebbels said it was because he learned from him that the Germans did as well as as they did. Um, and I'd I'd be interested in in hearing your your take on on him because we are we're 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 entering a new world where we're easily manipulated by these giant companies without our knowledge at all. And I don't hear right. anybody talking about this um, in in any real terms. They'll talk about it as you know fake news, etc. But that's that's not what that's not the only concern. The concern is what these companies are doing with advertising, how they're using their their analytics uh, and their algorithms to cater directly to us uh, and and sell us things that we're just going to find absolutely reasonable. And incidentally, one of the best ways 
to get people to become, if you like, lifelong consumers, loyal, brand loyal consumers, is to get to them when they are very young, where they don't yet yes. have the cognitive and emotional apparatus to mm-hmm. build counter-argument against you. I mean, this is why we have laws that you're not supposed to directly target children you know, mm-hmm. below a certain age. And yet, when it comes to, forgive me for saying this, I know that you are a man of faith, when it comes to religion, well, straight out of the womb, I could be selling my product, in this case, my religious belief to my child. And so what do you think is going to happen? How likely is my child ever going to develop his own thinking about this particular issue when I am advertising to him straight from the, out of the womb. But this doesn't only apply to religion. Now when it comes, for example, to trans activism, now in, 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 you know, in grade one, we're starting to yeah. talk about you know, gender fluidity. Well, why is it? I mean, how come th- throughout history we haven't had to have that conversation, but suddenly now we need to be having these conversations about two-spirited people and gender-neutral people when the kids are five years old? Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you, Gad, when it comes to religion, and I know you and I disagree on religion, and and, and I think our disagreement is healthy, um, but uh, uh, my son came to me oh, six months or so ago and said, and he was very nervous, and he said, uh, Dad, I don't, I don't know if I believe in God. And I said, great. And it took him by surprise, and, and he said, what? And I said, son, you shouldn't believe in God because I do. I I want you to do your own homework. If you find that there is a God, great. But I'm going to ask you to tell me why you believe that. If you decide there is no God, I'm going to ask you to tell me why you believe that. This is your journey, not mine. And I Your think, position is so commendable. Wow, that's brilliant, Glenn. That's fantastic. I think, I, but I, I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I hope I'm not. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think maybe you should have had a conversation with my parents in 1972. <laughs> well, it's 1972. You should have talked to my parents too. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Gad said, "Thank you so much. God bless you." And, and or, or not, you know, a universe bless you. Yeah, I think you meant God bless Gad, Gad bless you. Yes, thank you so much. Gad Sad. Uh, you can follow him on uh, Twitter. You can follow him on YouTube. Make sure you, you uh, look him up because he is, he is just truly fascinating. Uh, and you'll learn a lot. Whether you agree with him or not, you will learn a lot from Gad Sad. That's S-A-A-D, Gad Sad if you're in constant pain you are not alone and i know because uh i've been in constant pain uh i've been well right now um my arms are uh completely numb and uh, i love that i love that it's fantastic better than when they're just shooting pain um i don't have the the pain and the fatigue from the pain that I was having over a year ago, um, because I take relief factor, I didn't think this would work for me, but it did. I started taking it because my wife was like, <laughs> oh, whatever. And so just to quiet her down, I took it. And, uh, and I honestly, I didn't take it because I didn't think it would work. It has worked for me big time. I take it three times a day, and I know when I don't take it, I know it. I feel it. 
Try their quick start for three weeks. You'll know if it's going to work for you. $19.95. If it's working for you, order more. 70% of the people who try it order more month after month because it works drug-free, natural way, ease your pain, reduce your inflammation, and get your life back with relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. We are so grateful uh, for our partners. Uh, One is Faithwire. We have done a a special on Jerusalem airs tonight, partnership with Faithwire, and you as our partner as well. See you tonight at 5.